Well, I am so glad that you are here with us today. I am uh, always very thankful for our worship team and uh, just did a great job this morning. I, I love uh, hearing you all sing. I love just when they drop out and kind of step back from the mics and we can hear our congregation sing. We, uh, I, just, I just want to record you guys. I mean, forget them. Just record you guys. It was really good. I mean, I just love the way that you participate in worship. I've been in churches before where they uh, have a viewpoint that these are the performers and you all are here to watch them and to uh, uh, be the spectators. And I really appreciate uh, the fact that here at Fellowship of Grace, we spectator. And uh, I just, uh, man, I just really love that about our church. I really do. Well, we are continuing in the book of James. I, I appreciate uh, Pastor Derek last week uh, doing such a great job uh, telling us about faith and works and how we do not work for our salvation. There is nothing we can do. Uh, God has done all the work uh, that needs to be done through his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. Uh, however, uh, when we truly have a new birth, when we truly have faith, there will always be works that support that, that confirm that, that, that make it obvious that we have that. Now today, uh, we're going to chapter 3, and we're going to talk about taming of the tongue. Now, I thought it would be a really great thing, since it's Raider Week here in Kansas City, I thought it would be a really great idea to share with you some really funny Raider jokes right now. Uh, I had four or five planned out, but as I continued to uh, work on the sermon, I just thought, you know, that's probably not very nice if a Raider fan shows up. I probably shouldn't do that. So if you just want to go home and Google uh, Oak and Raider jokes, you, you can see all those for yourself, and they're really funny. I think you'll really enjoy them, uh, but you'll get that from the internet, not from me. Uh, you know, pastors get told quite a bit as people are walking out of the church. A lot of people say, hey, today, you know, it was, it was though you were speaking right to me. It was though I, was, I came today for this particular sermon. It was just like you prepared that just for me. In fact, I've been accused a couple of times of probably going through people's trash during the week and finding out stuff about it. Let me just reassure you that I would never do that for, for multiple reasons. I would never do that. Uh, and so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, but I do want us to think uh, today about this topic, the taming of the tongue. Uh, and so if it, if it feels like today this was just for you, I didn't plan it, I didn't design it, uh, we've planned months ahead uh, to uh, talk about James, and this Sunday fell on this part of the Bible. So I'm not talking about anybody in spe specifically here, it's just kind of fell this way. You know, statistics say that people spend about one-fifth of their entire life talking. Can you believe that? One-fifth. In fact, each year, we speak about 132 books of 200-page books each. So 200 pages times 132 books. Now, I was going to set here on the, on the podium 132 books out of my library, uh, but hardly any of them had 200 pages. They were like 212, 216, so I, didn't, I really couldn't use them. Uh, so it didn't work out. But just think about 132 books, and that's how much we speak every single year. Now, being humans, it is inevitable that we will say some things that hurt others. It is inevitable that we are going to say things that are selfish, uh, that are mean, that hurt people's feelings, uh, that are just really not good in many ways. And we want to see today, what is it that James is trying to speak to us about? He just got through talking about how our true faith, our true belief in Christ that causes a change in life, always results in good works. And then he immediately goes to the way we talk. I think that's interesting. I think we're going to find out why he did that as we read. 
But I want us to see the first point in our passage today, and that is that those wishing to be leaders will receive harsher judgment. Look what it says in James 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Wow. Maybe you were thinking about becoming a pastor or a teacher and you've decided not to now. I'm not trying to discourage you. James isn't trying to discourage us. What is he saying here? Why is he saying this? Well, he's saying it for a lot of reasons, but one of them, for instance, Luke 12, 48 says this. It says that everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. Now, I know you probably thought that was something about had to do with Spider-Man, but it doesn't, okay? Everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. Fact is, if you want to be a teacher, and actually in this verse, the word teacher can be also understood as master or leader, person who's the tip of the spear, you will be required to have more accountability for your behavior. See, if you want to be the speaker, you have to be able to show some level of mastery or you'll be considered a complete hypocrite. You'll be laughed off the stage. For instance, if you went bowling with me, and then I said, hey, I'm going I'm to go a seminar on bowling. You would just laugh at that because I, I stink at bowling. Okay? Or if I were going to do a, 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 a series here on physical fitness, you would probably never come to that. I know people occasionally get me and Corey mixed up, uh, the drummer, but, uh, but you know, we're a lot different than more than alike. But anyway, uh, see, the thing is, if you want to be the speaker, you have to have at least some level of mastery to have any integrity at all. Now, it doesn't mean that I have life all figured out because I'm a pastor. It doesn't mean that I've, I've, I've got everything figured out and I've got control of my tongue and I do everything right. But it ought to mean that I'm not at the beginning stage. Now, I've been a Christian for 42 years. Hopefully, there are some areas that I've mastered. And I think there are some areas. But you see, a lot, sometimes a lot of people want to be the speaker, but nobody wants to get up in front of the crowd and have their words picked apart or be held accountable by those who are hearing. And James is saying here, guys, there is a greater level of accountability if you're going to be the teacher. I spend all week, uh, in fact, sometimes weeks in advance, uh, reading these passages, studying these passages, uh, trying to understand exactly what God is trying to speak to us. I probably uh, uh, spend more time than you simply because I have it. You know, I'm, I work for the church. They, I, this is my full-time job, and I'm able to do that while you have to go to work all week. But hopefully that means that I've got a, maybe a little better grasp of it, and I can come and teach you and, and share with you what God's saying. Somebody said on their way out of the first service today, they said, Wow, uh, you did a really good job convicting me today. I said, Listen, I don't, I don't do any convicting. I'm just a messenger boy. That's it. That's it. God does it with his word. But I want you to see here, folks, if you desire to be a leader in the church or you desire to be a teacher of information or if you desire to be uh, any kind of, of uh, um, leader, uh, realize that that comes with greater responsibility. Then James turns after this one statement, James turns to all of us and he says this, he says, our tongue can greatly influence the direction of our life. Now, those are big words. But look what it says in James chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, 
able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now James uses two word pictures in this passage of something very small directing the whole. He talks about first a bit in a horse's mouth and then a ship's rudder. Now, I'm not much of a horseman, I will admit, but I do know what a bit is. It is about a three to four inch uh, steel uh, pole that fits in the, in the horse's mouth. By the way, uh, that's what directs the horse to go where it's supposed to go. It tells it when to turn, when to slow down, when to stop. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever tried to grab a horse around the middle and move it, that just doesn't work very well, from what I've heard. I've never tried that, actually. Uh, but it doesn't work very well. It's almost impossible to move them. But once that little piece of metal is in the horse's mouth, it'll go where you ask it to go most of the time. The ship's rudder. A rudder can be less than one-third of one percent of a ship's entire mass and yet direct the entire ship. Wow, that's a very small amount of mass that can turn an entire ship. What's James saying here? He's saying we need to be very cautious with our words. Words can greatly influence our entire lives. Now, you might be thinking right now, oh, you know, listen, I know I can hurt people's feelings and stuff, but to wreck my whole life, control the direction of my entire life just, just by my words, that seems a little extreme, isn't it? Well, what about if an employee says something insulting to their boss who never forgets? That could influence your life pretty significantly. And what about the way we speak to our spouse or perhaps our children or perhaps our parents? Can that have an effect on our entire relationship? Of course it can. Of course it can. By the way, this is a side note. Men, if you speak down or in a condescending way to your wife, I want you to see a counselor who can help you. Okay? And if you call your wife names ever, I don't care how upset you get or how frustrated you are, if you ever resort to that, that is totally and completely unacceptable for a Christian man. And by the way, if you have children, you're teaching them how to treat women by doing that. Okay? And, 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 and listen, I, I am here. There are pastors here. We will help you. We will encourage you. We will pray with you. We are not here to judge or criticize you. But folks, uh, that is becoming, I think, more rampant in our culture. And, and, and guys, we need to learn how to be good, solid men while showing respect and love to our, our wives. Just a side note. Okay. And you may say, well, you know what, Michael, that's just who I am. Well, who you am is a problem. <laughs> okay, it's a problem, and it needs to get fixed, and it can be fixed with God's help. And, you know, we have, <laughs> this whole election culture right now is just a little crazy. You know, we have a tendency in this country to say, well, I can say whatever I want to say. I have a right to say whatever I want to say. Well, sure you do. Nobody says you don't have a right to. That doesn't mean that everything is beneficial. It doesn't mean that everything is helpful or encouraging. 
You have the right to hit yourself in the head with a ball-peen hammer if you want to. You've got a right to do that, but I wouldn't suggest it. I don't think it's very beneficial for you. So this isn't about having some kind of right to, to treat people a certain way or to say things. Listen, engage your mind and your relationship detector before saying something foolish that profoundly affects your reputation, your income, or your relationships. What James is saying here is, folks, listen, uh, you may think that uh, me walking up to somebody and punching them in the face is a bad deal, but you can cause just as much hurt with your words. You can cause just as much hurt with your words. In fact, he goes on to talk about exactly how much hurt we can cause. He says our tongue has the power to destroy others. Look what it says in chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. He says, so also the tongue is a small member, just like the bit in the rudder. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Now here James is saying that our words have the power to destroy others. He uses a couple of more word pictures here for us to understand. He says our tongue is like a little campfire. You know, it's, it's got this fire in it that's kind of uh, always in it, set on fire by hell itself. But he says our tongue soon gets out of control and it can set a whole forest on fire. Man, our tongue is like a fire set on fire by the very pits of hell. See, folks, Satan wants to destroy our lives and our relationships. That's what he's here to do. Whether you are uh, still uh, not to the place where you've put your faith and trust in Christ or whether you are a Christian, he still wants to ruin our reputation and our relationships. He wants to destroy our very lives. He doesn't always have to do that with some kind of deadly disease or a terrible accident. Just a little prompting of our tongue and we'll destroy ourselves. James also uses the word picture of taming animals. He says mankind can control and train all kinds of animals, but we can't seem to keep our big mouth shut at the appropriate times. We just can't seem to do it. Yeah, I know there's always something about a bear and a tutu that always cracks me up. I don't know what it is. It always gets me. He's saying, look, men can train all of these wild beasts, these incredibly huge animals like elephants. But man does not seem to be able to control his little tongue. Folks, in this passage, let me go back here. I want to just show you this. When he says here at the end, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. He's talking about our tongues having the ability, like a viper, to, to, to bite someone give them poison, and kill them. 
Now, I don't know anybody. I know my mother told me when I was a little kid, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I know today we're trying to stop bullying, all that kind of stuff. My mom just told me, hey, there's going to be bullies in the world. Just learn to ignore them. They're always going to be here. And so she told me that words don't matter. And, and to some people like that, that, whose opinion I don't care much about, it doesn't matter. But you know what? There are a lot of people whose opinion does matter. And so we need to be careful how we talk to others. Parents, we need to be very careful how we talk to our children. There are phrases and things that we can say to damage them for the rest of their lives. Oh, we can apologize. We can ask them to forgive us, and they may do that. But there are some cuts that are so deep, while they may heal over, they will always leave a scar. In fact, in a crowd this large, there are people in this room, I'm sure, who are still trying today to somehow please their parents, somehow please their father, because their father said idiotic things like you'll never amount to anything. Like, I wish you'd never been born. Folks, we've got to make sure those things don't come out of our mouths even one single time. Because while we may ask for forgiveness, we may have just damaged our children for the rest of their lives. Now, I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. If you know anything about me, you know, uh, you know, I, I think you should discipline your children. But you discipline your children in love and concern for their behavior, not out of meanness or hatefulness or anger. The words we say matter uh, to our relationships. I've sat in counseling rooms with couples where a, a woman will say, he said this to me. And I'll say, wow, that's, ooh, that's, 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 that's bad. When did he say that to you? Five years ago. Really? And she's like, I've tried to forgive him. I've, I've tried to, uh, you know, he's asked for forgiveness. I've forgiven him. I don't hold it against him. But, man, it still hurts. It still hurts. So we've got to be really careful, folks. What James is trying to help us understand is, folks, it's like, a, it's like a snake right in your mouth that can reach out there and bite somebody and put some deadly poison in them and kill them. That's what he's saying about our tongue. We need to be very cautious about what we say. The last thing he says in this passage is that our words reveal who we really are. In James chapter 3, verses 9 through 12, this is what it says. It says, with it, our tongues, is what he's talking about, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a, a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What is he saying here? Well, first of all, he gives us a couple of more good word pictures. I love it how he does this. First, he starts by giving us the straight scoop. He says, look, for some of you, you bless God for one minute and then you curse men the next who are made in the image of God. 
What he's saying is some of you will come in here and you'll sing the songs and you'll, you'll pray the prayers and you'll, you'll listen to the word and you'll talk nice to everybody and then the moment somebody pulls out in front of you out here on Highway 45, you'll curse them. Now listen, there's a moment of transparency for your pastor. Probably the hardest place for me to control my tongue is on the road. And it's, it's when I'm alone and some knucklehead pulls out in front of me and goes 35 miles under the speed limit. That just drives me insane. Now, I don't, uh, you know, curse them or, or use curse words, but I sure do call them idiots a lot, morons, where'd you get your license, you know, all those kinds of things. They're not that bad, I guess, but listen, no excuses. I wonder sometimes if, as I read this passage this week, I thought to myself, there are several people in my life that I'm sharing the gospel with them. I'm trying to share with them how Jesus loves them, how he gave his life for them. And I, I, I'm thinking it's a nice fall day, driving with the windows down, maybe the you know, skylight open, and I'm driving down the road and some moron pulls out in front of me, and I yell, you idiot! And I look over, and there's the person, and they can hear me, and there's the person that I'm witnessing to. How humiliating, how embarrassing that would be. I mean, that, that'd just be, I, mean I, would, I would just curl up and die. I think I'd, I would just disintegrate. What, what James is saying here is, folks, your words have the ability to harm people. Don't harm people. And then as he talks about revealing who we are here, he's saying, listen, uh, uh, not only do we bless God one minute and curse man the next, he, he says, these things ought not to be like this, folks. Fig trees don't produce olives. Grapevines don't produce figs. He's saying the kind of heart you have is what pours out of you. Now, while I was preparing for this sermon, I was actually looking for a tree that somebody had painted or a picture of or whatever where they've put different kinds of fruit on it to make the point that trees only produce one kind of fruit. But then I found out on the internet, which of course means it's true, there are actually fruit salad trees. Are you aware of this? In Australia, they have actually created fruit salad trees. This is an actual photograph of a fruit salad tree that produces five kinds of fruit. Now, before you get all excited... Uh, these trees are created by grafting onto a living tree. So they're taking an apple tree and they're grafting a pear limb onto the tree and it, it can graft on and take hold and then that particular limb will produce pears. So they do this with like three or four or five different fruits and then they sell them to people who can then have you know, one tree in their yard and uh, five different kinds of fruits. But there is no fruit salad seed Folks, becoming a Christian and giving your life to Jesus is not the act of grafting on some good works that Jesus told us to do and remaining the same tree we have always been. It's not just trying to choose and choosing to live a little better life. It's not the act today of saying, well, I need to watch my words a little better. I need to curse a little less. Being a Christian is having a new seed and being a new tree. 
We reveal all the time the nature of our heart by the way we talk to and about others. We're either kind, loving, caring, nurturing, and sensitive towards others, or we are, on the other hand, critical, judgmental, gossiping, egotistical, mean-spirited, rude, unkind, and indifferent. The fact is, our speech does not determine our heart, it reveals it. Folks, a person who has received Christ and has a new birth uh, in their life, they're a new tree producing a new fruit. This not only applies to our words in person, but especially today uh, to our words in print. You know, we have the ability today to write on Facebook, Twitter, blog, or email without actually having to look another person in the eye. It gives us the courage, or perhaps the lack of sense, to spout off whatever we want and not consider another person's thoughts or feelings. Folks, this is worse. This is worse. I mentioned this in the first sermon, in, or first service today. And uh, Senator Ryan Silvey, who's one of our guitar players, uh, told me that he gets uh, uh, really hateful, being a senator, a state senator, you can imagine, he gets really hateful mail from time to time, hateful emails. And he always has his assistant contact that person and try to set up coffee with them. <laughs> Most of the time they run for the woods. They don't have any desire to sit across the table and actually have a conversation with him. But occasionally a person will. And of course their tone is very different when they sit face to face across the table than when they are able to anonymously or in some way uh, do it through the internet. You know, it's one thing for a friend to remember what hurtful thing we said to them. It's another to put it in print so they can relive it over and over. Folks, let's use our heads and especially our hearts when we speak or write or type or whatever we do. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And I would encourage you not just to think about these things, but to speak about these things. You know, my mother told me growing up, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's good advice. That's really good advice. Now James says we're never, we're never going to actually master that completely, but we sure should try. We sure should try. Now I actually heard people use this scripture to justify their gossiping because they say, well, I only gossip, I only told other people about it because it was true. Right there in the first line. Whatever is true. As long as it's true, I can say it. Folks, listen, you, you all know better than that, okay? Gossip is anything, whether it's true or not, that we share with other people in order to harm somebody, to harm their reputation, to make them feel bad, uh, to just smear them with other people, to defame them, degrade them, whatever. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Now, we at Fellowship of Grace try really hard to create a culture where gossip does not reign. Churches can be one of the worst places for gossip. They really can. We try really hard not to let that happen here. And I'll tell you how we do it. 
starting with me and our other pastors. If you ever come to us to complain about another leader or just another person, guess what we're going to say? The first thing out of our mouth is going to be, have you spoken with them? And if you say, well, no, I'm coming to tell you about it. I have no interest. You go talk to them, and if they say you're, you're an idiot, then you come back to me, and I'll go with you to talk to them. But until you talk to them, it doesn't concern me. And, and I think we've begun to build this culture. About six months ago, one of our leaders came to me. And he goes, Pastor, I, I, I got man, this other leader in our church, he did something to really frustrate me. And I just, I, here's what happened. Oh, never mind. And I said, what do you mean, never mind? He goes, I know what you're going to say. I'll go talk to him. And he did. And it was just a simple misunderstanding. Nobody's feelings were hurt. It was fine. It all got taken care of. But see, folks, that's the way we should be. That's the way we should be. Every single time. By the way, if your friends, if you're like, well, I don't gossip, but all my friends gossip to me. You know why they all keep coming to you and gossiping to you? Because you keep listening. You tell them I'm not interested anymore, they'll quit coming. Listen, if a guy's got a garbage truck and he keeps taking it out to the same place, when they say no more, he doesn't go back. So you can stop that with your friends. Folks, this is an important thing. When James says, this is so bad, you can destroy another person with something as simple as your words, we should pay attention. We should pay really good attention to what he's saying here. And listen, I, I've already shared with you, I'm not perfect at this. In fact, he says, none of you will ever be perfect. But it's really important that we make progress. It's really important that we reflect Jesus more. The reality is, we can never choose to do this on our own. We can never uh, stop cursing. We can never stop uh, cursing other people. We can never uh, stop uh, being evil and mean and all those kind of things. Unless we have a change of heart that now sprouts out different fruit out of our mouths. And folks, that only happens, that can only happen through a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. The reality is you can try and try and try to be better. You can try and try and try to fix the things in your life that are going disastrously wrong, but you never will as long as you remain the kind of tree that you are. But if you will today acknowledge that you are a sinner like everybody else, acknowledge that you can't do anything to overcome your sin, to quit your sinning, to pay for your sin, if you will acknowledge the fact that God did something to help us by sending his son Jesus to come and die on the cross, if you'll recognize that God has adopted an exchange program where I can give my sin to Jesus to kill on the cross and he will give me credit for his perfect life. And all I have to do is by faith put my trust in that. All I have to do is acknowledge, yes, God, I am a sinner. I know I can't do anything about it. And I know that Jesus died on the cross to save me. I put my faith and trust in you to save me because of what Jesus did on the cross. By that simple act, the Bible says we're new. All things have changed. We are no longer out of control and unable to control our tongue. 
now God can help us and we can make progress. And I look forward to the day, hopefully soon, when I will no longer call anyone an idiot on the road. But folks, this is a big deal. It's a big deal. So let's pay attention to it. Let's ask God to help us and then yield to his spirit as he lives in us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word that is so clear to us. Father, even in this passage, you've told us that we can't totally master our tongues. It's the thing that we can never get complete mastery over. But God, help us to make progress. Help us to become more like Christ all the time. Forgive us where we fail you. God, we ask you to overcome the devastation that we have made in our relationships, the relationships that we have harmed or even even destroyed. God, help us through your word and through your spirit to yield to you and let you repair those things. You are an incredible God of restoration. You restore uh, us as individuals and you restore relationships. You restore so many things. God, help us to just allow you to work in our lives through this area of our speech. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.